Welcome to the fourth edition of HGF's Fashionably IP podcast. My name's Rebecca Field, I'm a Chartered Trademark Attorney at IP law firm HGF and I'm joined by Lee Curtis, also a Chartered Trademark Attorney at HGF. Hello. As you know, the Fashionably IP podcast has been developed from the success of the Fashion and IP LinkedIn group, which is run by us and is now approaching 12,000 members, including many of the leading IP council across the world, both in-house and in private practice. This podcast series will find inspiration from the subjects commented on in that group. If you are not a member of the Fashion and IP LinkedIn group, please just find it amongst the groups on LinkedIn and apply to join. To be clear, this podcast is not legal advice, and if you have any queries on the points we have raised, please contact us directly at either rfield at hgf.com or lee at alcurtis at hgf.com. The subject of this podcast is the so-called issue of heritage or zombie brands in the world of fashion. However, to start off again, we thought we would firstly tell you a little bit about HGF. So HGF, well, HGF is one of the leading IP firms in Europe. We have offices across the United Kingdom, the Republic of Ireland, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Austria and Switzerland. We manage the IP portfolios of many of the world's leading uh, companies and can do all things IP, whether that is clearing your IP, registering your IP or indeed enforcing your IP. Now back to Rebecca and fashion. So in this fourth podcast, we're going to do some time traveling and talk about heritage brands in fashion or brands which are sometimes unfairly called zombie brands. Why is that an important subject in the world of fashion, Lee? Well, fashion tends to recycle ideas and trends over the years and brands are no exception. Fashion brands wax and wane. Some have to reinvent themselves. And indeed, Burberry is probably a good example of such a brand which went through a reinvention and a successful relaunch in the early part of this century. Even the great Chanel brand waned for a while uh, just after the Second World War, but is now a successful global brand. We will not be talking about such brands, to be clear, but brands which have been dealt with a much more fatal bro. Some fashion brands are simply left behind and cease to trade altogether. However, they are not forgotten. What happens to these so-called zombie brands and where does trademark law come into it? Well, examples of brands which have been successfully reborn from death or near death include fashion brands such as Viennette and Schiaparelli. Uh, Halston is maybe an example of a less successful rebirth, but what is the attraction of such brands? Well, once successful brands have a certain history or memory in the consciousness of the consumer, Sometimes it is easier simply to relaunch an old brand than creating a new one. Every brand has a personality, and if a brand has one already and a certain place in the hearts of consumers, nostalgia can go a long way and can be used as a springboard for a successful relaunch. So why do such brands cause problems for trademark law, Rebecca? Trademark law does have a certain difficulty with such brands. In most countries, a trademark registration for a brand will become vulnerable to non-use attack if not used for a certain period of time. In the UK and EU, that period is five years, as indeed it is the case in most countries. However, in Australia, the US and China, a trademark registration can be revoked if it's not used for three years. 
And in the US, every five years, one has to file a declaration of use to show a trademark, which is the subject of that registration, is still being used. Otherwise, it will be cancelled from the register. That means trademark registrations for such zombie brands can be easily attacked. Trademark law has to clear unused brands from the trademark register, otherwise the registration system can cease to function. Indeed, Justice Jacob referred to such registrations elegantly in the well-known Lameur technology case in the UK as abandoned vessels in the shipping lanes of trade. In common law countries such as the UK, there is the concept of residual goodwill, which protects the residual goodwill of a brand in the minds of the consumer. However, the case law on such a concept is very fact-specific. In theory, residual goodwill can last for years after a brand has ceased to be used. However, there is always a question of proving residual goodwill exists and indeed whether it can be bought and transferred with no trading activity at the time of the assignment. Assembling evidence of past trading activity is always hard when the original owner may no longer exist or in the case of a fashion designer, they could have passed away. Also, a distinction has to be made between simple notoriety and goodwill, a distinction which is often lost on some trademark attorneys and lawyers. Being simply known is different to goodwill, which has to be supported by some trading activity. Also, the case law in the UK seems clear that if the trading activity, and thus by definition the residual goodwill, has been consciously abandoned, it can no longer be enforced. It is sometimes better for a zombie fashion brand to have quiet and lingering death rather than go out with a big bang. Are there any other avenues by which a zombie fashion brand could be protected in the period before relaunch, Lee? Well, it's funny you've mentioned that, Rebecca, as there's been a recent case before the General Court of the European Union concerning a fashion brand where it was argued that the bad faith provisions might be an avenue for the old owners of these brands uh, to stop uh, others using and registering them. In July, the General Court considered the EU trademark uh, registration of Nehera. Nehera was a well-known fashion brand in Czechoslovakia in the 1930s, founded by Jan Nehera. The brand fell into non-use following its nationalisation in 1946. We now speed forward to 2013, when uh, Yaroslav uh, uh, Zut filed and obtained a EU trademark registration for a stylized form of the Nehera brand covering goods in classes 18, 24, and importantly 25, which covered clothing. The brand was launched the following year. In 2019, the grandchildren of Jan Nehera applied to invalidate uh, the registration on the basis of bad faith, Initially, the cancellation division of the EU IPO refused the invalidity action, but this decision was overturned by the Board of Appeal uh, of the EU IPO. Uh, The case was subsequently appealed to the General Court. Uh, For the grandchildren, unfortunately, the General Court found against them. uh, Bad faith uh, does presuppose a dishonest intention of the registrant, and although a subjective assessment uh, has to be made of the registrant's intent, At the time of filing, objective considerations do come into play. And crucially, in this case, the extent of the prior rights of the applicant for invalidity were quite crucial. Here, the General Court rejected the application for invalidity because the applicant, 
the grandchildren of Mr. Nehera, did not show that the Nehera or Yan Nehera brand uh, would have been known by a significant portion uh, or proportion of the purchasing public of the EU. Also, the fact that the registrant was paying homage uh, to the original designer came into play in assessing whether the registrant had acted in bad faith. So how do you think this case would have played out in the UK, Rebecca? I suspect in a very similar way. Although in the UK, residual goodwill might have strengthened the applicant's alleged rights, remembering that in the Czech and Slovak republics, which constituted the old Czechoslovakia, there are no such things as common law. The fact that the brand had not been in use for decades, it seems, would have probably meant a UK court would have found no rights in the name of the applicant for invalidity, and this is often crucial with an allegation of bad faith. Although bad faith can be established with no prior rights, particularly where the registrant had some prior commercial relationship with the applicant for invalidity, in a dispute of this nature, some residual goodwill is key, it seems to me. However, I do often have a problem with parties relaunching fashion brands of this nature who have no connection at all to the old owners. By definition, the driver of such use is the old goodwill of the brand. If you ask any of these parties why they are investing in such a brand, it is to take advantage of the consumer nostalgia and connection with the old fashion brand. Thus, this by definition showing residual goodwill subsists. Otherwise, why would you do that? So if you are a custodian of a zombie fashion brand, what can you do before you try and relaunch the brand to protect your position then, Lee? Well, I would say you need to register the brand early and try and relaunch or license the brand as quickly as possible. However, by definition, simply registering a trademark which is not used simply for the purpose of stopping others using the trademark is an act of bad faith under the definition of bad faith laid down in the well-known Lint chocolate bunny case. Also, if based in common law countries, keep good records of the past use of the mark and try to try and show and establish residual goodwill and try and keep the brand in the consciousness of the consumer via press comment and the like. So what are your takeaways from this discussion, Rebecca? Well, it is hard to protect and defend a so-called zombie fashion brand. By definition, trademark law is often geared to cancelling such registrations of those trademarks. If you are relaunching such a brand and you are connected to the old owner, do it quickly. And if you are independent of the old owners, then register early and possibly try and get the cooperation of the old owner or in the case of a fashion designer who may have passed away, then their family. This also is of use from a marketing perspective because it does show an emotional link to the old owner of the consumers and also assists with brand heritage. Zombie fashion brands can come back from the dead, but thought does need to be given to trademark protection and how it is done and how it is controlled. We hope that you've enjoyed our fourth Fashionably IP podcast and more will follow in the months to come. Please do feel free to share this podcast and review it on the various platforms. Also, feel free, if you have not already, listen to our previous podcasts on personal names and colour in fashion and when your fashion brand is a product. Thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.